Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cobblestone Podcast. My name is Adam Houlihan and I'm joined here by my co-host Tomas Mulligan. On this episode our guest is Fergal Chambers, a piper from a very musical family. He runs the Four Provinces Brewery and Pub over in Kimmage and he's even got a few of his beers on sale in the Cobblestone. However, that is not where his story with this pub begins, so Fergal is going to walk us through the history of that, how he got into brewing, and his opinions on Ireland's attitude towards the drink. We'll also hear a lovely set of tunes on the pipes from Fergal at the end of the podcast, Slán Le and Donald Blue, and we hope you enjoy the show. Very funny story with that. Like we, uh, Cormac uh, had uh, met a Polish girl and moved to Warsaw, and uh, he got us a gig in this pub over there called. Jeez, uh, it was a Shamrocker, and we went over for St Patrick's Day. You know, Tom was good enough. We, at that age, we were all dying to do gigs, and yeah. it wasn't like you didn't have to drag people out of bed now, like like it is now. Going uh, like to do a gig in a pub, like you, you like. You're you're dying to do it. Get yourself out there, play a few tunes, meet new people. So yeah. it was great. We went in, but uh, we'd come back from Poland, and this there was a charity thing where it cut cut your hair, like, and we all got cr- really tight haircuts. Like, yeah, well, uh, it never grew back. So like, yeah, oh, nightmare. So like, so I remember turning up for the gig, and like Hugh Healy and Cormac. Hugh was up in Dublin, another musician from Clare, like, and. Hugh had drawn a swastika on the back of his head and forgot about it. I walked walk through the airport. He's not he's not a Nazi, but he's a principal of a school now, but I shouldn't really be saying that. But uh, the, the the guards are following us through the airport. But it was just it was just for charity, something we did, we cut off all our hair. So the picture was actually unluckily unluckily taken about two days later in in the pub here. So I look young but uh, the skin the crew I always had long hair, but yeah. Yeah, that was ages ago. I remember Getting the gig, we took it so seriously. Owen Garvey, Sean, uh, Sean's son, was a good buddy of mine, and we used to play pipes. We grew up together playing, playing, playing pipes in the Henrietta Street. But me and him actually did the gig together one time, like two pipes, like. And I was just remembering, this is brilliant. Like you know, we went in, and it was either Tuesday or Wednesday night, and we started meeting. Other people came in. It was a brilliant. It was a brilliant. For I think it was only, I think it was only eighteen. I think it was just out of college, like first year in college, and. I was young from a year, you know, but I just thought it was brilliant, like playing my first gig in the first place that would hire me, you know. And your dad, actually, funnily enough, has come to my aid on, on several occasions uh, since then, like with with business and stuff. But uh, yeah, but it was brilliant. Uh, it was great, and we've it was two hours of solid music. Like we yeah. know, back in Renton, it was me and Cormac sometimes. There was me and Owen Garvey, or my brother Roshin was a bit younger now. He would have been sixteen, but no problem coming in doing the gig. But there was the atmosphere back then was very very different. Like I mean, it was like. It was like the big group of people all of a sudden kind of coming together all from the different cultist groups around the area like mates going out in the sauce together and like Cormac was Cormac's year was the first with Leah Kelly and all like the, the, that crowd Hugh Healy and it was just a back then there wasn't as many phones so we met up but we really made a count it was a brilliant you talk to each other on the phone actually speak instead of texting and and it was a start of my kind of journey into traditional music and the whole the whole music scene it was just it was, ama- it was an amazing 
time in my life and it was an amazing time for all the other people in the group as well because it was like a totally new it was like we were the first wave of young traditional musicians to come through the kind of dark days when like and I remember even when I was younger people wouldn't like on, on my road and stuff there was people actually slagging us for, for playing traditional music and speaking Irish like you know and it really actually annoyed me for years and it affected me a bit like and even sometimes I find today I don't I, like I won't speak Irish in front of certain people not because I think they're going to say it, and because I know they don't speak Irish and stuff like that. I definitely I shouldn't, you know. Just but anyway, but it's funny. Like back then, it was such such an amazing era. Even for like my second flat, like I wasn't on drinking that much. Like do you know even that back then because I was playing a lot of hurling and stuff. But then when you went, that was real pure, pure, just great crack. Four weeks in Milltown, no problem to you. Like seven days on it. Back when the L, um, back when the growth hormone was still in your body and. <laughs> You could get over, hang over in about two hours, like, and you're up again the next day, you know? Yeah, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> it's gas, though, that uh, those photos downstairs, every time, like, s- someone asks about your beer, which we'll get into in a, in a while. Yeah, yeah. But uh, every time someone asks Tom about your beer, he's like, well, I'll show you the, I'll show you the fellow who makes it. I'd and say I would have probably been taken down long ago if uh, I hadn't had a few beers in the pub. Uh, <laughs> no, but once you're up, you're yeah, up. Yeah, once you're up, you're up. Yeah, but look, I think it's an, a brilliant idea. And Tom obviously cultivated, uh, it's not just a gig pub, it was like a, it was like, I hate saying it's like nearly, a scene in itself like it's like the, the, I don't think Tom sometimes thinks is, understands how much what he'd given he's given every single musician a chance to do a gig and you get a chance to do a gig with a few people it gives you an amazing amazing self uh, it gives you self confidence and it's it's like music is fantastic like that anyway but in a gig in a pub and there's and the people in the pub were listening to you. Do you know what I mean? Or they'd sit down the other end of it. They weren't listening to you. So there was people around appreciating it. And it gave you a great sense of, like, actually, the music's amazing. And I don't need to worry about this guy down the road whose dad, you know, hates the Irish language because, you know, his dad hated it. And that kind of generational kind of self-loading. And that didn't spread. And it wasn't everywhere. And you kind of realise, actually, most people love this music if they're given a chance. Especially when you see tourists. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like, when you see visitors yeah. over, like, and you're over playing even in a foreign country, you can see the interest. When you come back to Ireland, it's like, most people don't even know what a jig is. Do you know what I mean? Even though we're probably the richest music, we've got one of the probably the folk, richest folk music in the whole world. We're ignorant of it in our own country, which is just, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Now, it's post-colonial, and it, it, I understand why. There's loads of reasons for it. It's kind of, like, associated with, with poverty, etc. But that shouldn't be anymore. There's hundreds of thousands of young kids. Like, I, I can't wait for 10 years. Just the amount of musicians now in the pubs, uh, sorry, in the FLA and all the rest of it. Like, there's so many, like, they can't really cater for everybody anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's exploded. And, like, a lot of it's become... We've kind of taken another country to tell us how good we are. Do you know what kind exactly. of way? Exactly. It's, it's, it's America has told us... Yeah. How, how, much, ...how much it should be valued as well. And, and, and the Germans love it as well. Well, yeah, the Germans love it as well. I think, very interestingly, the Germans are very... Uh, after the war, they kind of had to re- relearn what their culture was. You know, it wasn't this kind of, you know, authoritarian, white supremacist-type conservative attitude it's like there's loads of good musics out there you see it at like the explosion of different musics in, in different cities around Germany and Berlin especially like a huge expression of but the Germans are a huge market for the chieftains and all these amazing traditional music bands because they really love the music 
And like anybody who's played over there, like a comic, my brother was t- telling me about uh, Al Aldock who play in Germany a lot. There, he said it's just the, the crowds are amazing. Like and and like he's saying, the, the, just the, the, the appreciation of it is just and and. Don't worry, it's not just Germany, it's all the other French as well. My wife is French. She loved Ireland before she even met me. Uh, was over here before she met me, but she played the tin whistle. Could play a tune on the tin whistle. From like a, a small village in the Ardennes. Like, yes. uh, loved the chorus. Yeah, like, the chorus are huge. I have friends from Brazil that like came to Ireland specifically because they liked the chorus. There's something, there's something in folk and traditional Irish music that is that, that breaks down cultures there's no there's no one who couldn't warm to it like i, I was in a uh, paris last year or you know, yeah two years ago and a fella who was a friend of my Amelia's friend we were over there doing a little bit of trying to do a bit of business but never came to anything but uh this random fella friend of a friend was like yeah i'm learning like dick on songs at the moment i said what it's fucking real french like you know <laughs> i said yeah look he's unbelievable and then like there's a fellow, Valentine, uh, a friend of mine, who's actually gone back to uh, he's gone back to New Zealand now, but he's he's a Samoan and and an indigenous New Zealand uh, background. Learned the bow on three months, brilliant. Knew the names of tunes and gr- like really immersed himself. And I was just going like he just loved it. And went to the Blue Light, played music with us like every Wednesday, and he now knows like all the names of the people in Dervish. Like I don't even know the names of the people in Dervish. <laughs> You know, but he's just, but it just shows you like there's a huge mass appeal to people, and the Dubliners definitely the Clancy brought. Obviously, there's loads of the Chieftains, all these bands. But now, I think, obviously, it's hard for traditional musicians to make make a living, uh, just doing what they're doing. But there's huge appreciation for it. like the traditional arts have basically sold Ireland so well across the globe, and I'm including Riverdance in that. Uh, that it's a shame that. The state bodies here don't actually try to even accelerate that even more. In fact, they they go, they try their best not to do that. In my opinion, it, it needs to change like big time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I very much agree with you there. Um, and I think maybe the way, or maybe a reason that they'd give as to why they divest from it so much would be that it's it pretty much is married to drinking. We have to accept in Ireland that we like a drink. We have to accept. <laughs> we have to appreciate that not everything in, in life can be a latte and the gym, staying at home, working for eight hours, talking about yoga, uh, looking at ourselves in the mirror, looking how big our muscles are. Like these are very vacuous things. Like real, re- real interaction occurs. In pubs, you don't have to drink in a pub, but alcohol uh, and the Irish people has a, a double-edged sword. Many people are, are addicted to it. Loads of people have huge family problems with it, but the majority of people have a very healthy relationship with it and really have enjoyed themselves over the years. Have met their wives uh, having a drink. They've met their li- uh, they've met their they've, they've mapped their lives literally by meeting somebody in a pub. They have had children uh, because of all these amazing interactions in public houses. Yeah, cigarettes are bad for you. Yeah, uh, alcohol is is it can be harmful in in large amounts, but overwhelmingly the pub has had a very positive influence on on people in Ireland. Certainly, has has kept a lot of traditional musicians uh, from being on the dole, and it's 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 it's, a, it's an enormous part of our economy, and an economy is. A, I read something there today. The economy basically is 
is our interaction with each other. And it's not some kind of like, okay, there are degrees, there is the huge massive corporations, there is that, but ultimately we, that's how we trade and do and, and interact with each other on a daily basis. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with making a profit or starting a business. Um, but there, but uh, ultimately, you know, unregulated capitalism, unfortunately, has just has ruined it for everybody. And and that that and that kind of cronyism that's in Ireland at the moment is just is just the worst example of what it is. Um, like you need a very very strong social like for for it to work you need very strong social protections for people. Uh, we can't keep fighting. Poor people can't keep fighting against each other. The middle classes are now poor. They just okay. They're maybe asset rich, but they're very cash, very very poor. They think they are, but unfortunately in Ireland they're not. They don't have wealth in the bank. They don't have money to go. They might go on a holiday every year, but a lot of it's on credit. Yeah. If we continue the way we are, all we're doing is feeding money into the top two, three, four percent of the country, and eventually, as we as we can see now, there's a huge amount of borrowing. A lot of people are on the breadline. They might have a house in Malahide, but they they don't have any money in the bank. So that type of thing. But back to back back to kind of. Uh, I suppose back to the pub and alcohol there was a huge anti-alcohol lobby in Ireland and I appreciate exactly where they're coming from in terms of addiction and all that type of thing but addiction is addiction and I don't think that the country should be punished for, for the country should be, shouldn't be punished for a minority it should be celebrated as something that's actually really really special um, especially the, I'm talking about the pub and not just alcohol here yeah. so uh, it's, it's really important that that it's very hard to give alcohol a voice because it is a toxin yeah. but it's also extremely important not to talk about it just on its own you have to talk about it where it's actually served and it, alcohol in a public house with music on is probably the best memories a lot of people have in this country and we, we can't just take that away from people do you know what I mean Look, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just about health it's about social health it's about their mental health it's about everything that goes with that it's not it's not as simple as just you know I had three glasses of wine instead of two last night that wasn't recommended do you know what I mean? Let's let's stop talking about overconsumption. Let's start talking about social interaction again, because that's really what's key, and that's what that's that's very important for people. Social interaction with people. You can see in the last year, it's, it's actually vital. There's fifty percent of people in Portugal said they were mild to slightly depressed mm-hmm. because of, and and the very their lockdown was nowhere near ours. Yeah. So, enough with this like hang in there guys type of thing we need we need whole firm and fake kind of faux slogans let's try and let's try and get the country open again safely um and take the science don't don't look for political wins or any of that type of thing let's do do right by the people for once in our short state lives here look we're 90 years old and we're still acting like you know we don't know we've got a toy we don't know how to play with do you know what i mean when we were talking when i was talking to you there about um alcohol uh, being married to the pub or being married to Irish music yeah. when did your interest in alcohol evolve beyond pers- <laughs> <laughs> personal well, it was my wife's fault well first of all like I met my wife in Lorient France uh, at a festival and we started going out and we were all back I was back and forth for about a year and then she moved over yeah thankfully and then she lives on the Belgian border in the Ardennes so in Belgium there's like a brewery every like 10 kilometres you know Mm-hmm. But I really started to enjoy beer. I never drank beer. I was cider man. I was drunk Bulmer's right. stomach yeah. will tell you all about it. Like you know, yeah. horrific. You know, uh, but then I started to really appreciate beers. I said, just lovely looking. What age? What age are you when you're starting? To I'm age. I'm 26. When I'm this, I'm starting yeah. to enjoy your, like the old beer and enjoy different. Don't forget it. Before when I was younger, like even when I was 20, 21, 22, no choice in pubs. Yeah. Mm. What age are you? I'm 31 now. So like, 
you're lucky enough you've probably seen it in the pub where your dad started introducing more and more and more local yeah. beers now your dad's an exception right but like Logan, you know yourself lads yeah, yeah. it wasn't available but I just really enjoyed the Belgian beers then I started buying them and then I started going I'd love to make beer myself so Amelia bought me a beer kit yeah. at home and uh, I made it at home and then um, yeah so like I made a, a pale ale it was called Rosie's Pale Ale mm-hmm. after my, my, my grandmother uh, Maisie's sorry Maisie's Pale Ale after my, my grandmother uh, and then I made sorry then I made um, what else did I do and I made another stout and I made a few others then I met a friend of mine Quilter who lives in England at the moment but um, said look his friend who was in college with Andrew Murphy my business but now business partner has done a degree and he's working in a in a brewery you should definitely meet up and talk about because I had an idea I said look all these new Irish breweries are all like Americanizing all their beers and they want to be cool and all so what about like a traditional Irish looking beer like you know something that would sell well abroad but like interesting solid beers that aren't too hoppy you know really easy to drink and and I, I just I, like that that was our idea from the start the next thing I met up with him after about five beers the two of us were talking politics and yeah. all the rest of it and I said listen bang we're going let's do this like you know so three weeks later we were down uh, we were down in this apartment every Friday developing recipes started coming up with beers we wanted to brew and and then Andrew said, well, why don't we just contract brew and start our own company? Started the company, 10 grand, that's all we had. So we bought beer then of Trouble Brewing. He was working down there. Andrew was like brewing down there every Saturday and Sunday for like experience. He knew what to do. But he's a chemist. He, like, he's very, very, um, very, very interested in, in how things work. And he's very, very knowledgeable. I had a science background as well. So I kind of knew we were kind of, but you know what I mean? I like to talk, do you know what I mean? And I like to go out and meet people and... So I said, I said, look, Andrew, for the time being, let's let's just see. So we contract brew for three years. Now it wasn't going anywhere really. We've got a few really good customers like your dad and a few people, and we had some good beers. And but we just didn't have the money to take it the next step. We didn't have the know-how, and we didn't have we didn't really understand the market really. We thought we did. Everybody thinks they know everything. They start off a business. So ultimately, what we now now know, Jesus, like I would have gone back. Now you wouldn't change anything because yeah. you kind of learn as you go. Hard, really hard knocks, and like. So, yeah, we eventually opened the brewery. We actually built a brewery about four years ago and uh, started brewing our own beer in our own brewery, which was, uh, like, like from nothing to being able to raise 100 grand uh, in shareholders. Like, you know, because we had good, 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 like, we showed them what we were doing. and So, yeah, we, we tipped away. I went full t- full-time at it and, like, you know, uh, went okay paid a bit of money but not major yeah. we understood that this this has to get bigger and we were then you're kind of faffing around for a year trying to find your feet trying to probably battling against a wave that you're never going to beat like you know because i was going about it the wrong way and i needed some help and i probably didn't want to take it because it was too expensive and we we're developing our thoughts and and andrew then was working in pharmacy and brewing and it was a lot of seven day weeks and six day weeks and we weren't getting where we wanted to get. We, then we got a Tesco contract and we bought two new tanks. But in the last 10 days of going up to it before we thought we were getting in, they pulled it. Oh. So we have 50 no grand way. in debt. Oh, Jesus. And a contract pulled. Now, you think we would have panicked. We should have probably. But we started brewing cans anyway. And we started selling a little bit. A few people helped us out. Then we started picking up a little bit with, with new accounts new draft accounts now don't get me wrong 50 grand 
over five years is not like a, a business sinking debt amount but it's not great let's be honest with it but we did have capacity which and better equipment so we invested in bits and pieces we had a keg washer and chillers and we, we've everything there now like but yeah so that was a hit it was a lesson lesson learned as well like again like no offense it wasn't really their fault because tesco uk had there was a there was a problem with smaller suppliers. They didn't want they they dealing with like of us. We wanted a distributor, which we couldn't can't really get in Ireland. There's very few of them around. But anyway, yeah. So that's where we're at then. So then we we started picking up then the last few years. When I say last year was a dead. It was just like canned online sales. But the year before that, we 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 nearly I think we had forty lines. You know, at forty two like twenty thirty accounts. You know, yeah. Which is good on draft. And we were thinking, okay, well if this keeps going the way it is, we'll eventually start making money. This is incredible. Yeah. You know. And then the pandemic hit and we got a few runs in Lidl as well, which was great. Uh, we were in local super values and local off licenses. Well, a big problem was credit, people not paying us on time. And that was one issue like that's very hard to get around in this country. Like, you know, so we started going a direct debit. So we've been navigating ourselves way through different things. And, and especially just the two of us, like we're like the like the volume of beer. <clears throat> We want to do and we get canned sometimes like kind of a four or five man job or there's still only two of us and we've been it's been commented upon like a few times how the hell we've still opened with two people and like doing different jobs and all the rest of it so then we opened the pub in 2019 uh as a way to get more beer out onto the market that was a real learning curve in kimmage in kimmage oh, we miss it. Uh, and the boys obviously lads played in it a few times but there's a lot of work to do there like it and, and again it's like taking up a new sport you have to really commit yourself to to get any good at it like i should have known that with the pipes as well the way like you know you need to commit and uh yeah there was a lot of mistakes made and unfortunately it went well towards the end um but it took us a long time to get there and probably you know too long to get there but it's a real it's a real it's like trying to learn like college physics like in, yeah. in, in like six months yeah it's a really hard job it's very tough i'm talking to to public and so on but it's very long it can be very you need to be organized and you need to know what you're doing and you need to be able to deal with the public there's millions of things you should be able to do and it's something you learn i think over 10 or 20 years yeah. you, you throw yourself in in the deep end at fairness like yeah like we're like we're pretty like like between me and andrew we're pretty stubborn like <laughs> you know and we dig in and we work hard yeah and our wives are obviously very very supportive of us like my, my wife is like brilliant with us like she's really been through the ringer with me so like i, I like i and i have a four-year-old child as well uh rosalie brilliant and this pandemic has let me like get to know her better and play with her and all especially fantastic but you do need i do need to work and i do need to develop the business so like a lot of things have come to light and a lot of opportunities have arisen because of the pandemic yeah and uh, we're, we're, we're always good at, at that. Like, we're able to just adapt very fast. So the brewery was, was functioning in a way. We were still keeping taking over new customers, loads of new customers locally who didn't, hadn't been to the pub buying beer office who are now look, can't wait for the pub to open. So you're building that, that local base of, like, between Crumlin Heads and actually Blow-Ins who can't believe they'd have a brewery pub on their doorstep. Like, yeah. where else is that? Nowhere else in Dublin has no. that. In, in the suburbs so we're the only one we, not only that they have traditional music four or five nights a week uh, they have a, like a real lovely bar lounge now and now hopefully an outdoor space so oh lovely so, really yeah so where, yeah where, I've applied to the Dublin City Council just for, for outdoor seating out um, the front out the front yeah there's, oh, a, there's cool. an old telephone box area there that we've applied for a semi-permanent installation 
So uh, that's hopefully for June. You get about 20 people there plus the two barrels. You might get 30, 40 people there on the fine day, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll play that by year, but... Uh, also have the festival on the go that didn't go ahead in 2020 that's but it, we were uh, just going to ask you yeah. about that Fail so, and Ask Fail and Ask yeah Fail and Ask we had a f- fantastic first year about 1500 people at it um, we had about 500 tickets sold about two weeks up to it but it's really ramped up uh, people friends dug in helped us out got a word out there but then we, we put on a fantastic no- uh, festival it was like zero um, zero impact so like uh, all the glassware was all like uh, you know biodegradable uh, yeah. glucose plastic you know like everything was done well cleaned up the, 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 the park was immaculate after but the acts were brilliant the, the vendors were local Irish Irish producers like the beer was four provinces uh, obviously it would be annoyed now if I didn't pick myself to get to, <laughs> do you know what I mean but uh, uh, would have been annoyed at myself for not coming up with that like um, but uh, yeah so like we're expanding it this year We've we've got like got the funding uh, pledge from some really uh, support of local uh, the, the local uh, councils and some of the arts uh, and we're we're looking to ha- put the same on a bigger festival this year hopefully up to 3,000 people excellent uh, and we've got two stages like we had the last time three bars uh, your sister's actually worked at it were you at it? Uh, I wasn't at it no, no. I was working here yeah so your dial on. came into it in the end yeah no but it's it's the reality is, like in Ireland, outdoor concerts are hard to kind of because of the weather. But yeah. you have to take the chance. You take the chance; it goes well, like it did the last time. We're going for September or it's end of August this time. Hopefully, uh, decent enough weather. If it rains, we've got you know backup for that as well. You know, at the end of the day, uh, the idea is fantastic. You have a big stage, a smaller stage. You, you employ local. You employ. You, you get local musicians on the smaller stage. Some of the bigger acts then are on the bigger stage. You have lovely food, great atmosphere, kids everywhere, uh, you know, family friendly uh, and just amazing day out that they can actually spend the full day listening to music and chilled out under under our blankets and and there's no danger They're you know, they're safe and, and everything's done right. Um, you can't just so it's a bilingual festival like so essentially everything was done. There's loads of Irish speaking spoken at it. It's really actively promoted at the festival. And we had a situation last year where you'd walk around and everyone speaking Irish, like thousands of people like little talking Irish to each other. And it wasn't even an Irish language festival. So it's, again, another outlet for people to express themselves, Oscaiga, uh, which is important, again, outside of the whole education thing that people, kids can see people actually speaking yeah. the language in a very natural setting. Yeah, but NOSC was brilliant. And it's going ahead this year at the moment up there measuring out the festival the other day. We're going to apply. And your dad was actually very kind enough to help us with the licensing and all the rest of it. This year, hopefully, we'll do our own one. We'll use our own license. But um, it's going to be great. And look, it's something that we, we, we really champion traditional and folk musicians and local musicians and Dublin musicians, you know, and try to get them you know a platform like you had like the like of Eugene Quinn Hugh Healy's actually launching an album at it this year like I can't give away too many things who are playing at it but there's a big act coming uh, as well. well so uh, <laughs> well, you would have to talk to my brother uh, I, I'm, I'm vendors and alcohol strictly there's been so many arguments uh, anyway we've got like I'm sure there's a few slots open lads don't worry about that <laughs> I'll, I'll give I'll give him a little nudge nudge hint, hint. there you go um, uh, no but it's 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 the future and we're trying we're going to try and build that up uh, to uh, use the full size of the park obviously that's the uh, that's the aim have a 10,000 people festival park? Acts, uh, Marley park Marley Park so, we, we, yeah, we, so Cormac basically has my brother 
well, he says he's the brainchild of it, but we kind of set so we were three. We all set it up kind of together. <laughs> but Cormac, uh, uh, actually, in fairness to him, started concerts up in the house. Families playing, local families, just loads of music in the area. They all played and got the trust of the park. Understood that he oh, were messing around. This is a serious, you know, uh, this is a serious organization. Um, and that we do things right and that we know what we're talking about we've got access deep pools of musicians the best musicians the good musicians because uh, a lot, lot of the time in RT you see a lot of the musicians the same all the time you know the same yeah. people they wheel out the whole time but we way more than that in Ireland there's course, brilliant musicians yeah. in Ireland like we don't ever hear about it. we're going to give every part of the country and we want to make it a big deal we want to make this a big festival where families come and like all those t- like flats great Right, but you're walking on a main street. You're in and out of pubs and all the rest. But what about an outdoor, lovely festival where you can bring your kids? You let you let them see really live Irish traditional music. Yeah. You can't beat that. Yeah, you can't beat it. It's only a pub on a larger scale, and we have a shebeen place where there's a quieter, kind of smaller kind of, and it's in the trees and all. And people are, are in there listening to the music, like Shano dancing. We had brilliant. We had the Bonnie Men playing. Liam Wainley headlined. It was fantastic. Aaron Irvine was meant to headline last year, but we never got it. That never went ahead. But. This year we'll have a, an act coming out soon enough. Uh, we can't really tell you now, but we haven't secured them. But we really, uh, really hope it's going to go well. So look, there's loads of great stuff ahead of us in the year. But despite the doom and gloom, I'd be very, very positive about the next Good. next few months. I think I think you've probably seen the opening of most things in June. I'd yeah. say pubs to 50% capacity in July. We'll All pubs open in August. I'd say uh, like if, if even one dose of the vaccine gives you 85% coverage. If there's very few people in hospital, there's no excuse not to open things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that people are a bit afraid. They shouldn't be afraid. Again, like you know, uh, I think that with the vaccine, that's their way out of it. Instead of the zero COVID thing, they need to forget about it and just concentrate on getting delivering. Uh, fast and safe vaccine rollout and then we can all get back to our lives and just remember and enjoy what's great in life is just meeting up with people and playing music and fucking getting locked you know what I mean <laughs> it's uh, edit that out but, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean that's what's like like really realistically that's what people do so why are, why why deny the fact that people enjoy no, I'm sorry getting locked up and being facetious but I'm joking but I'd be uh, people enjoy a drink to stop stop vilifying them yeah. You know, get, get over yourself. Don't drink if you don't. Don't ruin everyone else's fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking about getting locked. Oh yeah. This is a story that kind of comes full circle for us. Um, uh, we again, formed. When was it? Two years ago or three? So it was. I think I remember the date. Uh, I think it was the twentieth of January, two thousand eighteen. band. The hardest working band mm-hmm. in the world yeah. came yeah. together, and uh, it's because of you. Uh, there you go. This is. Uh, yeah, stay with us now. Yeah. <laughs> So there was um, there was a big gig in the back bar uh, that Tom organised with a load of reps from uh, festivals in America. Yeah. And there was about 20 acts on, and we were supposed to go on second. Second or first. And we had been playing together for a few months. and Never a gig, though. No, nah, never did a gig. Like, maybe we did a gig up at the front of the pub. But we sat down and we were like, we really need to come up with a name. And we're going to be on now in a couple of minutes. What's the strongest <laughs> beer that we can drink here? Give us it. And we look over and we see this yoke called Torque Fion. Do you remember it's that? Torque Fion, yeah. yeah. Jesus, yeah. And the greatest we, uh, mistake of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we ended up. Uh, we ended up not going. We ended up being on second from last. Uh, and there was about uh, there was about three points of this stuff in us before we had to say, look. We can't do that anymore. Seven or eight percent. Yeah, yeah, shocking, shocking stuff. Blackout juice. Yeah, 
Yeah, lethal. And uh, double IPA. Yashpini <laughs> Naharan was the name that made us laugh the most. Uh, while we were lamped off this stuff, <laughs> uh, so it stuck. That's what they actually made it up there and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the spot. Yashpini Naharan and a brilliant uh, name. Doesn't Tarkfion mean wild boar? Yeah. So there you go. There you go. See, a sausage made from that wild boar. Well, do you know, like, like the, the Tarkfion, like we used to have. Our native boar in Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. Loads of different mammals as well. Like, and, uh, interestingly enough, uh, when we clear felled everything else, like the Brits took away a lot of our fauna as well. You know, so of course, yeah. great to see them back. But we we thought we 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 thought we thought we'd bring it back. You know, with a ferocious bang <laughs> in and liquid form. In liquid yeah. form, and, and, and unfortunately, it, uh, we were able to. We were geez, that's fantastic that we've that the old Turk. We might bring it back. I yeah, do, yeah, yeah. It's not great, like you know what I mean. It was, Did it the was, job. Yeah, it was uh, probably selling kind of a mistake, <laughs> but it was clean and crisp, and it was it was, it was delicious. It was yeah, lovely. but you wouldn't. Uh, come here, very very dangerous. Well, since that's taken off the market, before we wrap <laughs> this up, it was taken <laughs> off the market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before it was removed. Yeah. Um, would you would you like to give any of your current beers a shout out? Uh, like. I like them all I suppose we're going to really push the puddle I think I was telling you this before yeah, um, yeah. a puddle lager uh, is going to be a, a, probably our main brand with Piper IPA uh, after the pandemic yeah I love the yeah. Piper oh yeah we're going to like it's a very unique beer on draft I think it's really delicious I think yeah. it's I think it's an exceptional drink on. in fact is, yeah. out of any of our beers I think it's it's, the, it's, best. it's the best hands down right? hands down I think it's the best one of the best IPAs in the market yeah. in Ireland I think I and I've tasted a lot of them and I do think it's got a really uniqueness I've had it a brewers from America come over and ask how the hell we brewed it and you know it, re- it was an accident like you know uh, <laughs> when I say an accident it was kind of like an experiment that we just stuck with yeah. and it just changed over the years when we dry hopped it with different hops but then we started we finished with mosaic and it's just lovely and the only thing about it is again it's 5% and 5% is quite strong like, and if you, you have to need to be just check yourself now and again yeah, to see yeah. how you're getting on two like, or three know. and you're done well, <laughs> I, 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 yeah well, like, like that's the thing it's just you just need to drink it slowly yeah, but a very, you get very giddy on it, let's put it like that. <laughs> you do, you often do. often drank about 10. Yeah. I, you can put them away, the hangover is yeah. lethal off it, because the hops, <laughs> hops give you a hangover, you know, yeah. really do. Yeah, it's delicious though. And like, without calling out any other beers, that um, I'd be a big fan of IPAs, and uh, a lot of them change their their flavours and their ingredients throughout the years, I've noticed, but Piper has been very, very consistent. The malt bill in Piper is like, is about four different malts in it. It's nearly, nearly orange tangerine like without even mm. the hops, yeah. Yeah. and it gives you that kind of resinous, lovely kind of, and it's car- the carbonation is perfect in it, and you're kind of it's a nice little bit of acidity, not too strong, not too hoppy like it's not yeah. like a mad, mad double IPA or anything. It's just a nice uh, West Coast IPA, and it's like. We, we kind of thought like okay Andrew was real stubborn. He's saying the five percent is a great flavor. You got a lovely mouth feel, and it's a lovely pleasant drink I'm getting thirsty now yeah, yeah me too. and and like it's going to be back on the market now next week two weeks time oh, uh, take away pints from the pub uh, but yeah like it, it's, it, it doesn't translate well into the can like a lot of IPAs don't and mm-hmm. one of the reasons for that is we don't filter it and there is a little bit of yeast in it uh, at the bottom of the can that can kind of suck a little bit of the flavour out of it yeah but it's a, it's not the same in the can but it is a fantastic draft beer unbelievable uh, yeah. and that's what I think you know it's anywhere it's been it's done well Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to just push the puddle lager, which I think we'll get a lot of accounts locally. I think a lot of publicans will support us. 
um, hopefully move out to a new brewery as well, a bigger brewery in the next uh, year. Um, that like coupled with the festivals as well, we're gonna try and take Nosk on the road hopefully a bit as well, Great. abroad and stuff like that. So we've got plans to do bits and pieces and just, but it's all about like celebrating, you know, who we are. Myself and my brothers, and my, we're very lucky. My mother was from Connemara. My dad was a big traditional Irish music person, um, and very, very, very much grounded in the tradition and 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 and, and like. I suppose the way I look at it is like you're just a traditional musician lover who just who 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 just haven't haven't hasn't fallen in love yet. You know, there's so many amazing. If you just give them the chance, like so many times I've seen people come to the blue light and sit there all night listening to the music, they would have hopped and skipped and like ignorantly jumped into the room thinking that then they sit down and listen to the songs and they they're mesmerized. They go, oh, Jesus, okay, yeah, this is this is we need to expose people to it and the Nosk and four provinces and. Our family are all about like selling, you know, doing good, doing something good, you know, trying to trying to show people what we have is is fantastic and not to be constantly, you know, running away from ourselves, you know, which is just, you know, shame. Like there's not there's there's a big difference between 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 like speaking Irish and playing traditional music. For for one reason, just to, like to do that, but like to really enjoy it, you need to just you need to forget about why you were, you were brought into it in early. Like a lot of people run, run away from, run away from music because it's, it's considered, you know, backward or something, but ultimately we should, should be running towards it. And it's, it's contemporary. It's like, it's it, music doesn't become out of, out of fashion. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a t-shirt. Like, yeah. You know, people will wear t-shirts. They're going to wear it in 200 years, 300, 400 years. It's never going to go out of fashion. It's just, people need to be reintroduced to it. Like the language, uh, and just because there's real beauty in ever in all of it, and it's it's not a negative thing. There's no such thing as negative language or negative music, mm-hmm. and I think people are starting to discover that. It's funny the people who have no interest in music, their kids are up in cults, and they play and they go and they start to go. This is deadly. They're gonna play in a pub. Like, geez, I can't believe he played in the pub. Like, and they'll be taking pictures of it. And then you've got like forty and fifty year old men then bragging about their kids winning flag holes. Yeah. Yeah. middle class kids you know brilliant you know working class kids come competing on a level playing field the best musicians like can be from anywhere and it's it's definitely like yeah the music and drink go hand in hand for me because I, I we brew and it's my livelihood right but it's definitely like a really rich life and I love it I wouldn't change it for anything I'm so lucky in fact it's travelled all over the world at music but I'm so lucky to have met the people I've met like yourselves uh, playing music and drinking beer and fucking doing interesting stuff instead of cowering away and running from our culture like run towards it brilliant like where else would you get the scene we're in like you try to explain it to people yeah and my friend Valentine your man from from Samoa and, and he understood it like he got it, got into it he goes Jesus is amazing he totally hooked he had to move back to New Zealand the next few weeks got a new job but like he didn't understand why loads of his rugby friends he was over here teaching rugby and he said look look at this like and they're so they're so detached from it yeah do you get me they're so detached from it how many people do we know that are so detached from traditional music oh, the majority like, so, of people you know yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying but it's, they're so detached from it they don't they don't see a way into it yeah. but a way into it is to sit down and listen to it and sit in, sit in a pub at a pint and not shout like a moron and clap your hands just listen to it do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and it's it's open to you. It's like the language. Everyone like I think the Irish language community is the most open community I've ever seen. I don't buy into this utter rubbish about it being like, exclusive or anything. Like that. Of course, it's exclusive when you when you don't want to learn it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. Hundred percent. But may, like traditional music, and it's such a rich thing that everybody could take. It's like it's like just there's ta- like there's something there's a gold ring sitting in the red, middle, and there's one for everybody. But some people don't don't bother taking it, don't picking it up. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And we're going to change, like the pub is all about that. Bilingual staff, yeah. uh, traditional music, you know, and uh, if you don't like it, that's fine. But there must be some, I tell you, look, if it's not your thing, generally anyone who doesn't like traditional music has a gripe against themselves and post-colonial hate. Yeah. <laughs> not, they don't have to like it, but they enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a difference. Yeah. And Can't respect it. Do you know what I mean? Can't wait to get back to it, man. Uh, on that note, Fergal Chambers, Shane August. Shane Agurimila Magi, nice better. I'll it's fatal on my end of a reach. Must mean if I can I can do it any time. Just uh, thank you very much, both of you, for listening to my rant. Uh, it's actually very therapeutic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Should be <laughs> Like as if I'm important or something. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Thank you very much. Go home with a big head now. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Milton Thomas. Uh, Thanks very much for the week. Appreciate it.